Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And recently, I've had a few people on the podcast here talking about money, which is, you know, one of my favorite subjects and, you know, favorite subject for lots of people. So I have Eric Brotman, and I'm going to try and get all the C's that go behind his name because I'm always impressed by how, well, I guess there's one that doesn't have a C in it, but let's see. He is a CFP, an AEP, which I don't know what that is, a CPWA, which I actually do know, and the CEO, <laughs> he's got so many C's of BFG Financials Financial Advisors. And he's obviously, you know, going to talk about money with us. But I also thought a couple things are really interesting about his background is that he's the host of his own podcast. And for those of you who are watching part of this in, in video, you're like, oh, that explains all the soundproofing material behind him on the wall. And his podcast is called Don't Retire, Graduate which is really such a great concept for all of us to think about. Retiring, I think, is a word that we shouldn't use anymore because that's completely different from what people are doing, but also about trying to make sure that when we get to that point where we can transition or graduate out of our work world, that we also have enough money to make it through and have a lot of fun. So he's a regular contributor on lots of his local uh, TV programs uh, in Baltimore area, and we are going to talk about so much. So first of all, Eric, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure, Michael. Great to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know we uh, we already will warn everybody that it is possible we might break into song, so we'll see what happens. And I'm going to sit up higher on my um, little cushion so my face actually shows above my name, so we'll see how that goes. Eric, first of all, tell us, I only like give a highlights of people's uh, bios because I think it's a lot more fun for you to tell. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, and how you help people to shock their potential. I I'm delighted to do that. And just for the record, the AEP is the Accredited Estate Planner designation. Oh, yes. Um, and it does not have a C in it. But you did forget to mention that I hold my EIEIO, which is <laughs> a little known designation for folks in the financial industry. Um, so just oh, to give I you a sense, I mean, I, I came into the financial business in 1994. And um, in the traditional way, which was I was an English major, studied English <laughs> and psychology. I studied oh. late. I studied late 18th century romantic poetry. Oh, which does not come in handy basically ever in client meetings. I, I have said that our reports are not in iambic pentameter ever. 
It just doesn't happen that way. So, now, and I, everybody I think, around the room is like, "What's iambic pentameter?" I yeah, don't but they, they they Google it, and everybody's aware. So, uh, we're not going to do this one beat, one beat, one beat. Anyway, um, I, I came into the business as an English major, and that's one of the reasons why I have all those designations. I really mm-hmm. spent all of my time educating myself in the financial world post college. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I did a master's degree, and I and I got all that background. And my feeling was it was not possible for me to fake experience. You know, it <laughs> just so doesn't true. work. I, and mm-hmm. I was, I was 22 years old and I looked 14. Oh boy. And uh, so for anyone to take money advice from someone that young in the first place, and particularly someone who looked like their grandson um, <laughs> made it incredibly difficult. So I had to, I had to be technically competent um, mm-hmm. pretty much right away. And so I studied a lot. I, I was taking, um, courses every six weeks, like really mm-hmm. just jamming through them. Um, but I, I, I've grown, uh, my practice now to the point where we started a company in 2003. Um, and over the years it's grown to now 21 employees, eight financial advisors. We have clients in 31 States. We represent 500 families. Um, wow. and, and it's been, it's been a great ride. It's been a whole lot of fun. I'm, I'm publishing my third book as we speak. Um, which is the same name as the podcast, which is Don't Retire, Graduate. Mm-hmm. And, and basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to find a way to democratize financial advice. We're trying to bring it to folks who can't necessarily uh, either know how to seek it out or afford it. Mm-hmm. Because financial literacy matters at every stage of the game, particularly for yeah. folks who maybe can't afford or don't need a comprehensive financial plan, but need basic budgeting or basic uh, basic skills. So um, the book is written as a college curriculum, and it begins Good. with fresh, freshman year curriculum, which is cash management and debt management, and it progresses all the way to things like legacy and what's more important than money. And what do you mm. do? What do you want to be when you grow up, Michael? What do you want to be when you grow up? You haven't been asked that since you were seven, and I think we <laughs> should ask that of adults. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because we—I'm not grown up yet. Clearly, I, I refuse to do it. I, well, and I told my daughter, who's 10, that adulting's a trap and you should avoid it at all costs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so so that that's the background. And and we, we so we've provided resources that are free to the public that are financial literacy resources. We have the book, which is also a workbook. Um, we're developing an online course that'll be out by, say, Christmas time this year. Um, and it's a way for people to really educate themselves in an objective way without any component of sales or product or all the things that make the financial industry scary for people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people get very daunted by financial advisors and everyone and their brother-in-law calls themselves a financial advisor, even if they're a representative <laughs> or salesperson of a company. And it's part of the problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're either a lawyer or you're not. You're a doctor or you're not. You're a CPA or you're not. But you can hang your shingle and say, I'm a financial advisor the day you get out of school. That doesn't make you qualified to do anything. And so it's an industry that is desperately in need of some standards. And, um, you know, it's been a hot potato in in Congress and it's it's not easy. But ultimately, we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to get some education financially and to have a shot at financial freedom, because ultimately what's more important? Well, and you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about a couple things. And first of all, you know, you are, you do look much younger than your age. You look great for 107. Thank you. So, um, (laughs) Yeah, but I feel 107. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) Also, I remember at one point in time, I talked to, I was talking to someone who said he was a pilot and he said, I had to start dyeing my hair gray. 
because people get on the airplanes and look at me and go, I'm not having a 14 year old fly my airplane. And he's like, I was 36 and flew in combat. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, you know, looking young, isn't terrible. My father's 81 and I tell him he doesn't look a day over 80 to me. And so that's, <laughs> that's been really good. I mean, that means I have that in my genes. Exactly. But as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, you know, when I was young in my career and I, I, um, I knew I didn't have a lot. I wasn't making a lot of money. You know, I was you know pretty newly divorced. So, you know, you've got all these other financial strains against you. And I remember I had a friend and I said, you know, I, I think I should start planning. I don't know. I'm, you know, contributing to my 401k, but I, you know, I really don't know what to do. And I remember he sat down with me and he said, you know, there's two things. And he said, the first thing is you need to eliminate your debt. Not that you shouldn't have ever debt because that's important also to have to prove, you know, your, your credit. He said, but, you know, at this point in time, you are so strapped where you are financially that the two things you can do best for yourself is number one, to um, eliminate your debt and number two, to have a life insurance plan. And, you know, I remember thinking, wow. And, you know, and, and when the 20 year mark of that insurance, you know, cause I did the whatever term life or whatever, not. Yeah, not whole life, term life. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm glad I did that because that those were scary times. And if I was gone, there would be, you know, a gap for my son. And all I could do was hold on. And then from there, you know, after I hit those other measure points, you know, as I got better and better financially, I gained more confidence. But, you know, I mean, the only reason I ever had that first conversation with him is that he was a friend and we were just having lunch. And other than that, I would have never approached anyone in my early to mid 20s to talk about my financial future, because it was so tough just to rub those two nickels together and keep, you know, keep the lights on and be able to go out for a happy hour every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, come on. Let's face it, that was three or four days a week at yeah. the time. Yeah, exactly. Once a, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, happy hours, happy day. All right. So mm -hmm. um, we, we, one of the things in the book we talk about is the 10, the 10 steps to wealth building. And you just nailed mm -hmm. two of them. Um, one of them is to avoid adverse debt. Mm -hmm. And so not all debt is bad debt. Having a mortgage on a home is not bad debt. Having access right. to lines of credit. Um, there are certain kinds of debt that make sense, even some student loans, if in fact it's for a program that truly does advance your career and improve your financials. In some mm -hmm. cases, the jury's out whether that's true, at least on the undergraduate level. And that's a, true. a different show. But, but true. Um, you know, if it's med school or law school, quite possibly that is a, a difference maker. Um, and the second is to have a, a risk management plan. And risk mm -hmm. management is all different things. We, we talk about, you know, having a moat around your castle. Um, and life insurance is part of that, but there's a lot more mm -hmm. to it. And some of it's insurance. I mean, the biggest mm -hmm. risk that we face uh, as Americans most of the time is liability. It's actually yeah. being sued. It's the, fender, yeah. it's the fender bender that has somebody coming after you. And it's a very inexpensive, easy thing to solve. But um, so what are the risks? We have the risks of lawsuit, of disability, of identity theft. Um, mm -hmm. Some of it's dying too soon. Some of it's living too long. You know, you yeah. can outlive your money. That's a very scary thing for for folks, for seniors. Um, so there's a risk management plan that comes into play that is, um, you know, once you've dealt with cash and debt management, then you deal with risk management and you have to preserve what you're going to build. And it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense to build the castle without a moat Yeah, because you allow invaders at that point and invaders are bad. <laughs> Exactly. You're like, hey, come on in. So Look, I got right. a lot of stuff in here. <laughs> so those are two of the 10 things we talk about. But the number one thing and the one thing that 
um, that I think uh, your friend, I hope, uh, mentioned to you or you talked about over time is this idea that you should pay yourself first. The single mm-hmm. most important bill you have every month is the one to yourself. It's whether it's your 401k or your health savings account or your non-qualified mm-hmm. money, or it's just excess debt payments. Yes. Having understanding that y- you need to live on less than hundred percent what you make. Yes. And for you, it might be 95%. It might be 72%, but whatever it is, it's less than a hundred. You cannot Unless you're the federal government and you print money, you can't actually always spend more than you make. That will be a problem at some point. Um, And so, you know, it's important to pay yourself first. And then whatever you decide to do with that, whether you pay yourself 10 or 15% of what you make, you then learn to live on 85%. Right. And if you can do that and you do it with intention, it's not like, oh, there's money left over this month. I'm going to throw it in the piggy bank. It's an intentional... I'm going to take advantage of this. There's a there's a 401k match I want to make sure I get, or there's a tax benefit, or there's liquidity, or or just the emergency fund. The first ring of the risk management plan is having mm-hmm. that rainy day fund because let's face it, it rains. You know yes. whether you suddenly need an HVAC or a washer and dryer or the roof leaks or your or your car dies. Yep, I mean, those things can throw you for a giant loss if you're not prepared for the what ifs and. It doesn't have to be formal, but it needs to be thorough. I remember the first time that I really did two of those things. I remember the the very first time that I had the amount in my rainy day fund that I had been striving for. And I remember how good that felt, like how, how well I slept that night. You know, even though, I mean, I'd been working on it for months. So like everything, you know, every day was better than the day before, but I felt so good knowing that I had that as a buffer. Um, the other thing I remember feeling really proud of myself was, uh, you know, you were talking about health savings accounts is one year I knew I, I needed to stop uh, wearing contacts because I was having so many um, allergic reactions to the contacts and I wanted to get LASIK and I knew how much it cost and I knew it wasn't going to cover be covered by my insurance. And so I purposely paid in extra to my health savings account, my flexible savings or whatever it was. And so I was able to get the, you know, the, the LASIK done like the beginning of the year and, you know, took care of it, you know, had already lived according to that whole plan. And then I just kept that money in there because I didn't notice it gone anymore, you know, so it became a habit. And so at some point in time, I'm like, I'm pretty healthy. I wasn't even using it. So, you know, I made a different change then, but those things, you know, are when you, I think, really feel like you are an adult, but maybe not trying to adult it, you know, being adulting. Yeah. But, you know, you're like, wow, that was really a good financial move for myself. I'm really proud of myself. Now, what else can I tackle? And, you know, get you build confidence. You do. And and sometimes it's a series of small wins that lead you to, to that track, which is great. Um, you know, you mentioned health savings accounts and you mentioned flexible spending accounts, and they're very, very different. And people... Mm-hmm. I think don't always understand them. Flexible spending accounts are ways to get tax deductions for things like dependent care, daycare, or certain Mm -hmm. health expenses, usually vision and dental, but it's use it or lose it. So when you earmark that money, if you don't use it, you wind up with eight pairs of glasses in December so that you don't feel like you wasted the money. Exactly. You still wasted the money on eight pairs of glasses, but, but I digress. Health only, accounts, only, though, if you, only if not, if you lose them, like I do, <laughs> well, you, no, that's never a waste. It's never wasteful to lose things or put them in the sofa cushion and sit on them. 
Um, in terms, in terms of the health savings account, though, that is arguably one of the greatest tax tools ever invented, and it's a way to build real wealth and to save taxes not only on the way in but forever. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a resource out. We we published an ebook on this topic at lowtaxbook.com. It's free, and it talks about how to use, among other things, how to use an HSA to really grow wealth. It is among the most perfect tax um, panaceas there is. And the key is to put money in it, to come as close to maxing it as you can and not to use it. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's going to continue to build for you and you can invest it. It doesn't have to be in cash. Yeah. So you can invest that money and there's no, there's no look back in terms of how long there's no statute of limitations for you, for getting your reimbursements. So you could keep 10 years of medical records, grow the money tax deferred for 10 years, yeah. And then make 10 years worth of claims in one day and, and walk with the money that with no taxes on it. It's an amazing yeah. tool. And I'm glad you uh, mentioned that too, being different because, you know, with my LASIK, that was a flexible spending account. Yeah. And I remember thinking very, you know, clearly, how much does that cost? What does this mean? How yeah. am I going to, so, you know, basically you're paying it ahead of time, you know, and not, you know, penalized in a lot of ways. And at the end of that year, after it was all done, everything was all done. I was, I made a completely different uh, choice for my flexible spending account for the next year because I was healthy. I didn't have a lot of other issues. So I wanted to have it for the, you know, the co-pays and, you know, those things, but I didn't need it for anything major. And it was really, you know, it did feel like, again, powerful, like, okay, now I'm asking questions between these things. You know, what's the difference between this and that? And not being embarrassed, the fact you don't know the answer. I don't, if I didn't do this for a living, I'd be absolutely <laughs> lost like anybody else trying to figure that stuff out. I mean, truly, um, I, I think the nuance between a traditional and a Roth IRA, the the nuances between 401ks, 403bs, 457s, uh, 529s, uh, you name it. If it's in the internal revenue code, it's got a number on it. Yeah, um, okay. Red ink, of course. Um, but if if at some point getting that kind of uh, of assistance, not only to make sure you're doing it right, or at least doing it as as optimally as you're able, but also to have accountability. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I have a trainer, I have a yogi, I have people who I'm accountable to them because if I don't have an appointment, I'm not going to the gym. Yep. If I have an appointment, I'm not standing somebody up. Yep. And so I think some of it is discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it is acknowledging that it's helpful to have. If you say, I'm going to pay down my debt by $10,000 this year, it's helpful to get to the end of the year and have to report that to somebody rather than just saying, oh, well, I missed it. I'll try again next year. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I'm going to lose that last 10 pounds. Well, just lose a few, <laughs> but not all 10. And where, I, where, hey, I lost 12, but then I found 10. Does that count? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. And, you know, I think the, um, I, I was, I, I've told this story before on the podcast. So anybody who's heard it, I apologize. But, you know, so my husband and I, when we, combined all of our income and all of our, you know, everything that we had, um, my husband said, okay, so once a quarter, we're going to have a financial discussion. We're going to have a financial review. And I had never had someone in my life that had that kind of, you know, wanted to have those dialogues. And it was terrifying for me the first two years. <laughs> uh-huh. Every time I'm like, oh my God, you're going to tell me I can't get my hair done. And, you know, and I'm thinking about all these things. And finally, one day I'm like, wait, this is to make us better. 
and this is yeah. to make me better and this make us better and to, you know, hit the things we want to do. And now um, when we do it, I'm always surprised at how soon I'm like, didn't we just do it? And he's like, it's time again. I'm like, look, I'm not arguing. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I want to see, except for, you know, after COVID, I'm like, I don't want to know what's going on with our finances. I do. It was not as bad as I thought it was, but um, that, that kind of ability where we, we talk about it and we look at, you know, fluctuations of things. And, and we made some different decisions this last time based on what we saw happening and what we, you know, what we're trying to look for our, our long-term future and the accountability together is fantastic. And probably, um, I don't know, five, six years ago was the first time that I ever sat down with my financial advisor because I was always like, you take care of it. You know, mm -hmm. you know you're, you're the smart one. And now I'm like, no, I want to be involved. I want to ask questions. And, and so they always make time for me in these meetings to say, you know, what do you want to ask? And I no longer feel stupid asking anything because I'm like, this is for me. There's no reason to be embarrassed. Do it for me. And if, you know, if they've heard the question 10,000 times, they've probably heard it a million. They're not going to, they're, they're not going to laugh at me behind my, well, they might laugh behind my back, but they're not going to laugh at me to my face. <laughs> um, first of all, no, no one worth their salt is going to laugh at you about any of that. That's partly why you're there. Um, yeah. But, but it's super important to do that. And the accountability piece, it's interesting because uh, doing this for a living, my wife and I, uh, for a, a long time, tried to do that. And she, she despises it. She wants uh, nothing to do with it. Um, she just wants to know, A, we're okay. And B, who do I call if you get hit by a bus? Yeah. Why it's always a bus, I do not know. But <laughs> but it's always a bus. Always no, bus. One ever, no one ever says you're going to be run over by a motorcycle. It just doesn't <laughs> work that way. So nonetheless, um, so, so we now, I have a financial advisor who's one of mm -hmm. my business partners, but I take off my advisor hat and put on my husband hat. And the two of us sit down together. Smart. So that I'm not in a position to be giving advice to ourselves, so to speak, or to mm -hmm. my wife, because that's preachy. Yeah. No, nobody, it, people don't appreciate that. And so we have to be sitting on the same side of the table, literally and figuratively and say, okay, yeah. these are decisions we have to make together. And do we really need that bathroom redone? That kind of thing. <laughs> yes. And, and the yes, answer is and of yes. course it is. Yes. And so I'll just work more <laughs> piece of cake. But does it need to be granite? Really? Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really smart because uh, it does. It takes us out of uh, out of our normal, you know, patterns and puts us back into what it means to be a couple dealing with these things together. So you've you've shared a lot of pieces of information. And by the way, I had to laugh when you said you were an English major and a psych minor because so was I. And uh, English and so, psychology, really? Yep. And I actually was one one credit short of being a double major in uh, psych. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. it's not too late. No, it's not too late. <laughs> yes, I think you could go back for the, go back and take abnormal psychology. And you're like, yep, I have that. And I have that. And I have that. <laughs> oh, I know. I used to call on psychiatrists in a former job in life. Uh -huh. And I, you know, I had so many of them that were good friends and I'm like, you guys all went into this cause you're all crazy. Oh, you're absolutely. all dealing with their own issues. <laughs> they also have children who are more crazy. Yes. Yes. And they would all agree with that. <laughs> so that's that's a story for another show too. It seems like we've yeah. got our whole lineup ahead of us. We're ready. Well, you're going to be my only guest for the next year. But I always love to ask people, you know, about what you've learned along your journey. So, you know, my question I always kind of pose is what's the most important professional lesson that you've learned in your life that helped you to shock your own potential? Um, it, it, that's very, very easy. And that is to surround myself with people who are different than I am 
who have yes. different skill sets than I am, uh, than I have, who are smarter than I am at various things. Um, it, it means building a team that is not um, a bunch of my clones. Yes. You know, to have three people just like me in a room would be, would be combustuous. Uh, <laughs> combustive. Is that the combustuous is not a word. I'm an English major. That's not even a word. Anyway, uh, but I like well, it. I, I poetic, poetic uh, license. I get to make my own words up. Um, but no, it would be problematic to do that. So to surround myself with folks who are, who have skill sets I don't have, who love doing things that I don't love doing, um, and who, who can help make our business better professionally. It makes absolute sense. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think diversity of all different types, um, makes sense in a business setting. Um, I think perspectives of all different types make sense in a business setting, in any setting, frankly. Um, and so for me, it was, it was learning to identify those people who weren't like me and having them join our team because it made our team better. Mm, that's so true. And I think that it's, it's so important um, for us to realize that, that people who are different from us and, and see the world in different ways are so critical for us to continue to grow. Otherwise, you're right. If you're in the room with the same amount of people or same kind of people as you, you don't see anything that stretches you. Well, yes. And we're not going to learn by talking. Yes. <laughs> That's true. You know, I don't remember the last time I taught myself something. It's just, <laughs> that's just not how it works. No, that's so true. So, you know, kind of on this theme, then I love to have people reflect because I think, you know, like you were talking about, you know, you exercise, you have a, you know, so you have a trainer, you have a yogi. There's my yoga dog. He's with me all the time. He reminds me to breathe and take it easy. But I think that we all are, you know, we, not that we go back and change things necessarily, but I, I love the concept of saying, if you could go back in time, you know, and talk to the younger Eric at any point in time and tell him anything that would have shocked his potential farther, faster, or kept him on the exact same path. When would you go back to him and what would you tell him? Um, I, I don't know if I could point out a specific time um, because I think it's a continuum and I think it's any time. But I would say that that advice to myself would be to take care of myself and to pace myself and not to burn myself out. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a tendency as an entrepreneur and as a wild type A Capricorn human that, that you want to go, 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 go. There's a point where you really do hit a wall and you're not as, as reflective and you're not as useful. And so for me, it would have been to pace myself a little bit and not to try and do everything all at once. Um, you know, I, I'm blessed. I've been very um, successful professionally and, and, and feel good about the, the work we've done for our clients and for the public and for our employees. Um, I, I could have taken better care of myself. And, mm. you know, you often hear folks say that, you know, youth is wasted on the young. Um, <laughs> I think I'm still young enough and I expect to be young at heart until I take my last breath. But I think I'm still young enough to appreciate that this is the best I may ever feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we take for granted the fact that when you're, uh, I'm not quite 50, but I'm close. And when you start to get almost 50, things hurt that didn't hurt before, no matter what you do. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be uh, life altering. It's just reality, you know, parts break down. So I think I would have been doing meditation. I would have been doing yoga. I would have been doing acupuncture. I would have been doing, um, I would have been taking more meaningful vacations that were truly unplugged rather than sort of working at a different location. 
Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've often heard people say, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> the problem with that is that he who dies with the most toys still dies. And so yeah. ultimately, it's it. I think it's better to pace yourself. It's not about it's not about what you amass. It's about what you experience and what you live and, and, and what you pass along. And I don't mean financially. I mean, in terms of what's important. And so um, if I had to go back in time, I would say, take it easy, pace yourself and make sure you figure out your own rhythms and be at your best. Yeah. You know, if, if you know, Michael, that you're great at nine 30 in the morning and you have a lull at two in the afternoon, don't plan your big show for two o'clock in the afternoon. Exactly. Exactly. Why, so why did it take five decades on this planet to figure that out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know. Every, I was nodding my head to everything going, oh, yeah, I, yeah, been there, done that. Because I really did, too. Same, you know, same thing. And I was laughing because this morning, uh, uh, yesterday we went on a bike ride and I was I was like, what is wrong with my body? Like my legs, I'm usually on a, you know, level five, you know, and we're outside, you know, on the fifth gear and I can't get out of second gear. And finally, like halfway into this 14 mile bike ride, we stop and pull over. And I had picked up some sort of like band that was in my wheel. I can't believe it didn't get in my spokes and put me, you know, head over heels, but it was keeping me from you know, from riding. So afterward, I'm like, I'm, you know, just going like crazy. This morning I said, let's get up and run. So we ran and then did some squats and all this. And so then I sat down afterward and I had a cup of coffee watching uh, the news for a few minutes, stood up and went, oh, oh, Mm -hmm. uh, my legs are um, perhaps not happy with me. (laughs) Yes. So I felt like Frankenstein to go get the second cup of coffee. Right. I, I I still think I'm in my 20s when I do several things. One of them is workout. The other is drink. Um, and um, <laughs> both of those take longer recoveries now than they used to. Yeah, no kidding. I know. And you shouldn't do them at the same time. No, we should not. <laughs> <laughs> unless, you, unless you do a Tough mutter, And at the end of it, you get a nice cold uh, Dos Equis, So That's not I really at the same time. That's after. That's true. It is kind of a reward at the end of it. It tasted yeah, really exactly. good. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Eric, I think you have such incredible advice for people, um, and uh, I your your um, desire to continue to educate people and want them to take active participation in their own education is amazing. So I know you gave some resources. I'll make sure that we'll have those all in the show notes. But in case somebody just wants to, you know, type in and find you right now, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, our website is bfgfa.com. Um, and you can also go to brotmanmedia.com. That's where the podcast and the book and the resources are. And you can find all kinds of both free and inexpensive resources there. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. I mean, this is this is a lot of fun. We love what we're doing. Awesome. That's great. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of advice or pearls of wisdom for my uh, words of wisdom or pearls of advice? I got my own lines all messed up for my listeners and viewers. Um I have one, and that is to stop chasing work-life balance. It does not exist. Chase work-life integration Mm. because uh, you're never going to have balance. It's not realistic, but you can integrate the the rhythm of your work with the rhythm of your life and make sure you can make both of them great. Just by not trying to do one and then the other and go back and forth, there can be a a spectrum. And uh, to me, that has made a huge difference in my life. 
I love it. And so absolutely true. So thank you, Eric. It has been a pleasure having you on today. And I'm looking forward to staying connected and seeing all that you uh, have more to accomplish. Uh, agreed. And Michael, it's been, it's been great. And I wish you continued success. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.